no matter what happened, I couldn't ever let you see me sweat. I couldn't ever let you see me get upset. And that sounds stressful. Yeah, it was stressful because I was keeping so much inside, which is not healthy. And it doesn't really help you either because you were struggling with such intense anger and emotions. And then here I am acting like nobody else was was like that. Exactly. Perfect. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today's episode is a special kids POV episode with my 12-year-old child, Asher. Today, Asher and I are going to talk about conflict, more specifically conflict between the two of us, because I've heard from listeners who want to know, A, if we do have conflicts, and B, if so, how do we handle them? So the quick answer to that first part of the question is, yes, we definitely have conflict. I am very human in that way, as is Asher. So today we're going to talk about the things that do crop up and cause conflict between us, and then we'll share with you what that actually looks like, what I do, what he does, and most importantly, how we move through and past it. And we'll get right to that conversation after this quick break. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense, science-backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites, turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60tilt and use code 60tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60TILT at greenchef.com slash 60TILT. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. 
They're a female founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey, Asher. Hello. How are you today? Excellent. Good. Well, we are doing another Asher special podcast, as you know, and today we are going to be talking about conflict. Yeah. I've gotten this question from more than one person, people who are curious to know how we handle conflict, and that's assuming we have conflict. That's a big assumption, don't you think? Yeah, which we don't. We don't? (laughs) Okay, we do. I actually think it's funny because we tried to record this two days ago. And we had a conflict. We didn't have a big conflict, but it was not working. I think it was because it was towards the end of the day and you were just not very engaged. And I was feeling a little stressed that we needed to get the podcast recorded. So what was a mini conflict? Do you remember how we handled that? Uh, By recording it today instead. Yeah. So we decided to record it today instead. And yeah, it wasn't a big conflict. I was a little frustrated. But I think in that case, I just said, okay, we're not going to do this now. And I kind of just let it go. And I went in my office and worked on something else and took a few breaths. And that was kind of the end of it, right? Yeah. So before we get into the conversation about conflicts in terms of how we handle it in our relationship, I'm curious to know what your opinion is about conflicts. Do you think that they're good? Do you think they're something that we should avoid? What do you think? I think they're necessary. Without conflicts, you'll never know how strong your relationship is. Okay. Can you say more about that? How does a how does a conflict give you that information? Well, if it tears your relationship apart, then obviously it wasn't strong enough. Right. I can see that answer when it comes to friendships, right? That makes sense. But yeah. what about in a mother-son relationship? I don't know. So I think the conflicts are just a normal part of any relationship. Yeah. I know that some people feel uncomfortable about conflicts or maybe kind of want to avoid them at all costs, but there certainly have been a part of our relationship. And I do think that they have made us stronger working through some of our conflicts. Yeah, definitely. What are the kinds of things that we have conflicts about? Well, sometimes when I miss dinner... Mm. Although that's usually my conflict with myself. (laughs) It's true. Because I feel bad about missing dinner. It used to be a bigger problem in that your dad or I would get upset if you missed dinner. But now we're kind of realizing. I get upset with myself if I miss dinner. Yeah. And you're usually harder on yourself than we are on you. Yeah. So, well, most listeners know that we are a homeschooling family. So you and I spend a lot of time together. And of course, we have conflicts. We have our really good days and we have our not so great days. Luckily, the not so great days are fewer and far between at this point, but we still have our challenges. One of the examples I thought we could share, Asher, of a recent conflict that's been kind of a reoccurring theme has to do with a little something called the order of 
Operations. Oh, no, not that. <laughs> what? Uh, why do you say that? Because it's so annoying. So why don't you share with listeners why the order of operations is so annoying to you? Because it's completely arbitrary and you can easily do everything with just parentheses. Right. You, in your opinion. Yeah, you could just put things in parentheses. Right. So here's a little background for listeners. So I teach most subjects to Asher, uh, except for science and art and Dutch. So other than that, I'm still teaching. And so in math, we're using this math curriculum this year. It's a new one. We decided to go offline because you didn't want to be doing your math on a computer. So that means I'm your math teacher, which is fine, except you have a lot of resistance around certain math rules that have been accepted by the mathematical community. Yeah. And I would say the order of operations brought this house down for about three weeks. Is that correct? Yep. So what would happen during a typical math session when I suggested that we were going to move forward with the order of operations? Like, no, I don't like the order of operations. Why can't they just use parentheses? And then I would say, I understand that this is frustrating for you and that you have kind of a philosophical objection to the order of operations. However, it is what I need to be teaching you right now because that's the curriculum. I'm like, well, it's stupid. Why would why I want to be taught something that was inefficient and Useless, and I I refuse to learn it. Right. The funny part is that it isn't actually that hard. No. Your objection is not about how difficult it is. It's because you really struggle with things that seem inefficient and or arbitrary. Right? Yes. And this was both. And this was both. So I thought we would just go through kind of the anatomy of a conflict using the order of operations as an example. So what exactly happened? So I remember telling you that we were going to be doing the order of operations. We prepped for it. You agreed, okay, I'm going to be cool with this. I think it's stupid, but I know I need to do it anyway. So we had done a lot of work so that you kind of were working on your mindset around accepting the order of operations in your life. Yeah, and then I learned it. And then you learned it. But this particular day, I'm thinking of, we had this big talk, you were all ready. I was like, Oh, good, we're going to avoid conflict. It's going to be a super productive mass session. And I got out the whiteboard and I grabbed my pen and I started and I wrote down a problem. And you look, you took one look at it. And you said, I didn't know this was order of operations with fractions. <laughs> remember what I'm, the story I'm telling. I yes. don't like fractions either. They're just ways of writing division problems that make them look like actual numbers. <laughs> so this is all funny now to recall, but at the time it was not so funny because it had been weeks and weeks and we finally got to a place where we were going to move forward. And then I wrote down a fraction and you and lo- I realized it was twice as bad as I thought. Yeah. And you lost it and you started yelling and you stormed out of the room. And I just sat there like, oh, my gosh, what I was 
frustrated. I was annoyed because I thought I did everything I needed to do. I was all prepped and you were prepped and now we were back to square one. So that's an example of a conflict. And I get pretty upset in those moments, don't I? Yeah. What do you see when I get upset? I'm curious, like, from your perspective, what does me being really upset look like? Well, you usually leave and then take some deep breaths. Really? Always? No, I said usually. (laughs) What do I do when I don't model healthy conflict resolution (laughs) strategies? Uh, You get annoyed. Yeah. What does that look like? Maybe like yelling or something. Yeah, I definitely, typically what happens is you get really upset, you storm away, and I go in one of two directions. One direction, the direction I'd like to go in is I do remember to take those deep breaths and I decide to just give you time to chill and I wait until we're both calm and then we reconnect and kind of debrief on what happened. Sometimes I do not do that. Sometimes something catches me so off guard and I get upset too quickly to take those breaths and then I get really upset and my getting upset tends to look like me making me even more upset. And it's, what's the word? A slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. You know, when you were little, Asher, and maybe like, I don't know, four or five, six, and you were really challenging, your behavior was really challenging, and you were doing all kinds of things that, you know, our friends' kids were not doing. And our friends' kids, for the most part, were very compliant and kind of listening. Their parents said, oh, don't do that. And the child would stop doing it. And so we were just so perplexed because we didn't know how to how to help you or encourage you to stop doing things that you weren't supposed to be doing or things that were dangerous or whatever. And I remember one friend said, why don't you just try yelling at them? That's what we do. (laughs) And for some reason, I thought that was a good idea. I was like, okay, I'll try it. I mean, (laughs) it's not like yelling is something angry. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, just just like the expression it, about about fight fire with fire. <laughs> right. I I mean, it wasn't even that I was going to scream at you, but I was like, all right, I'm going to try raising my voice and being a more authoritative, domineering parent and see if that snaps him out of it. <laughs> well, I, I think I tried that one time and I learned very quickly that Raising my voice to you or trying to be stern with you, I might as well have taken a big vat of gasoline and dumped it on top of a fire because it did not go well. It was... Yeah, gasoline is liquid, right? Liquids put out fires, don't they? <laughs> it was not a good move. I I knew from that point on that that is not the way to get this child's attention and it's not going to fix anything. It's going to make things much, much worse. <laughs> However, with that said... Yes, I do still sometimes lose my cool. When I lose my cool, I tend to storm away. I'm really big on dramatic exits if I'm feeling really upset. So I might storm away. I may even... Yeah, like a a one-liner. Yeah, just like a one-liner. Sometimes I say an expletive, I will admit. I don't know. Yeah. You're like, yeah. However, that's life. I don't think I'd be doing you any favors if I never 
let you see myself get upset. In fact, I used yeah. to... I used to feel like I couldn't let you see me get upset because that was bad modeling. That would make it seem like parents were fallible. Right. Yeah. And I didn't want that. So or, or I don't know. I just felt like I had to always keep my cool. No matter what happened, I couldn't ever let you see me sweat. I couldn't ever let you see me get upset. And Jeez, that sounds stressful. Yeah, it was stressful because I was keeping so much inside, which is not healthy. And it doesn't really help you either because you were struggling with such intense anger and emotions. And then here I am and acting like everybody else was, was like that. Exactly. Else was perfect. Exactly. So, I mean, that was a while ago that I finally gave myself permission to just kind of let my emotions be expressed. And yeah, when was that? I don't know, maybe five years ago. Five cool. years ago. Yeah. Yes, it definitely helped. It helped me feel better. And I also think it's a lot healthier for you because now you get to see that we don't have it all figured out either. And we're still working on our own strategies to stay calm. Your dad too. Your dad is not immune from this conversation. He also has his moments. We all do in this house. But so when we have conflicts like that, where one or both of us really lose our cool, what usually happens? Like, how do we move past the conflict what, from your perspective? What does that process look like? Well, usually we apologize. Sometimes me first, sometimes mom. Mm -hmm. So I try to make sure it's me first because I feel extra good when that happens. Really? Yeah. I have noticed, especially in the past year, that yeah, you... Yeah, there's kind of this moment after I'm angry where I'm, where I'm just like, I don't really want to spend the rest of my day being angry. I'm going to apologize right now. And then sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. But whenever I do, it's totally worth it. And your apologies are so sincere, too. They feel really nice and genuine. And yeah, that is something I have really noticed in the past year, that you have been often apologizing before I do, which I think is pretty incredible that you're yeah. able to get to that point on your own. Yeah. Like, I remember there was this one, I think one of the first times that happened, there was this one time when I got really annoyed, but I had hurt myself before I got really annoyed. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately calmed down. I was like, could you bandage my finger? Right. Yeah. And then I apologized after that. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, 
the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone, our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com club. That's tiltparenting.com club. I hope to see you on the inside. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Yeah, you have been doing that on your own. And sometimes if you're really upset, you tend to go to your room and read or listen to music and kind of chill out. And I think I used to try to fix... Until I feel apologetic. Yeah, and I think I used to feel like I needed to fix things right away. And I'm really working on giving you some space to relax and making sure that I'm also fully recovered emotionally because I don't want to engage with you to try to move forward and, and... reconnect until I am genuinely calm and in a good place. Because if I do it too early, and I'm still kind of annoyed, then I might come in and talk to you and still bring and that make it worse. I could make it worse. And then we have to start yeah, the process. All dad over. Do that once? Yeah, I think he has done that. He tried to apologize. And he ended up making it and he ended up blaming it all on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I try to really help. It doesn't really help. You have to make sure you're really I'm ready. Sorry, but really, there's nothing to be sorry for. It's all your fault. <laughs> so it's like, sorry, not sorry, not apology. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. So mistakes I, were made. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's important to wait to wait a good chunk of time until both people are really calm, and then typically. What I do, if you haven't come to me first and apologize, then I will come to you and I'll check in and I try to go right to first I apologize if I if I was the one out of line. It makes me apologize too. That's true. The second I apologize to you, you instantly shift. It's really great. Cause I think so often you just want to feel recognized and understood. And so when someone apologizes and takes responsibility for what they did, you feel recognized and understood. And then yeah, you're, and you're you not defensive. For what you did too. Yeah. Yeah. I also 
one of the things that I do, Asher, is I try to be really empathetic. And I find that when I can be empathetic to what you're going through, even if I don't understand why you got so upset. It's like I did the order operations. It didn't make any sense to me either. Right. Or if I can just say, I understand that this is really frustrating for you and you really don't like doing things you consider to be a waste of time. And so I try to make sure that you know that I, I understand why you're so upset and I'm not disregarding it and I'm not trying to minimize it. And when I do that, you tend to respond really well because you feel, again, heard and understood, right? Yeah. And if we're dealing with something bigger, then once we've apologized and we've taken responsibility and we've talked it through and I've been empathetic about the situation, how do we move forward from there to kind of address the actual situation that happened and try to make sure it doesn't happen again? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, we use something, maybe you don't know what it's called. It's called proactive problem solving. Actually, it's proactive collaborative problem solving. Oh, yeah, I can see why I wouldn't know what it was called. Yeah, I probably don't say it's time to proactively collaboratively problem solve. But yeah, let's collaborate on proactively problem solving. (laughs) But it's a technique that is outlined in this amazing book called The Explosive Child, which I know I've mentioned on the podcast before. Kaboom. It's by this man named Dr. Ross Green. And it's this very straightforward way to either be after something has happened or before the fact. So if you do it before, you're proactively problem solving. If you do it after, you're just problem solving. And it's basically looking at the situation and seeing what happened in that moment. What was it that was so hard and difficult? And then coming up with solutions for how we can avoid that in the future. And I often ask you to come up with those solutions because... In order for it to work, you have have to to be good solutions, (laughs) right? They have to be good solutions and you need to feel bought into them. So if I just say, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to make strategies. Yeah, that doesn't work. But often what I have noticed is that you often have really great ideas and strategies that you come up with yourself to deal with these kinds of problems so we can avoid them moving forward. Yeah. And then what do we do when we're all done with that? Say we've... Then we repeat the process. Say we had a big conflict and we both needed time to chill out. Then we reconnect. We apologize. We share empathy. We talk it through. We definitely talk through and try to make sure the other person knows we understand their point of view. Then we see if our strategies work. And then we come up with some ideas and we always end our these kinds of things with a hug too. Yeah. Which I think is really important. Yes. And I think it's also important that after that hug, you just kind of give each other a fresh start and a clean slate and just both agree to let it go. Not to bring up a song from a certain movie or anything. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Sorry. It just popped into my head. But I won't start singing it, I promise. Okay. But yeah, I think that is, that's kind of our cycle. And it, it really, that last piece is really important, I think, because you're really good, Asher, at letting things go. Once you've forgiven someone and accepted their apology, 
you move on. You don't hold grudges, which is such a lovely quality. Well, I only hold grudges against people I didn't like in the first place. Right. People who probably didn't genuinely apologize to you as well. Yeah. Because if someone genenuinely apologizes and is vulnerable and wants to connect and make amends, you always yeah, accept but that. I'm sorry you were offended <laughs> or just no apology at all. Yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, my actions were totally justified, not yours, though. Yeah. Any hoodles. So, so that's kind of our strategy for conflict. So we definitely have them. We're not immune to them. They don't happen super often. We definitely have our good weeks and our bad weeks. But I feel like we've gotten so much practice at dealing with conflict that we've we kind of know how to move through them. We yeah. we accept that they're part of our relationship. And I would actually venture to say, Asher, that some of our conflicts have really actually even brought us closer and helped yeah. me to understand you better. Yeah, that's what you get if you if you succeed with a conflict. You get closer, but if you fail with a conflict, you get further apart. Right. And that's not really an option in a parent-child relationship. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, but it's not really very good. It's not ideal. It's all about, I think, you just kind of keep keep going in and keep working on it and keep being vulnerable and communicating. And yeah, hopefully it will bring you closer together. And actually some of the moments that I have felt almost the closest to you where we've really bonded and connected and had these deep, meaningful conversations about things, they came on the heels of the conflict. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So I guess maybe the lesson in that, too, is to not avoid conflict, but to lean into them. Yeah. Not to create them. I wouldn't say, let's make conflict, but... Yeah, let's conflict over things. But to know that they're not a bad thing. And actually, if you are willing to do the work, they can actually help you move your relationship forward in a really amazing way. Yeah. Well, before we go, Asher, is there anything else that you want to add about conflict? Anything that you want to share for listeners? No, not really. I already said the stuff on my point of view about them. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for sharing and having this conversation. We were actually going to record this, I don't know, like a month and a half ago, but it was at a time... It might have been during the Order of Operations saga, so we were having a lot of conflicts, and we decided to wait (laughs) until we had a little distance from that. So I'm glad we were able to have this conversation, and I hope it's helpful for our listeners. So thanks so much for sharing and being open today, Asher. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, including links to the resources Asher and I talked about in the show, as well as the I Got This Kickstarter campaign page, visit tiltparenting.com slash session 51. And if you'd like to participate in that differently wired seven day challenge I talked about at the beginning of the show, please visit us at tiltparenting.com slash seven day to find out more and get signed up. We would love to have you join in. And lastly, if you like what you heard on today's episode and you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes or leaving a review. Both of those things make a big difference when it comes to helping our podcast get more visibility. 
Thanks again for listening. For more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.